our theme this term is um, it's called the Discipleship Toolkit. And what we, when we were thinking, praying through this, what we wanted to really do is to say, how can we help equip um, sort of people who are in student or maybe close to student age just with some of the key disciplines to help us stay close to God? And, um, you know, what we want to do is to try to just to sort of upgrade how we do that. The practices that both sustain us and grow us as disciples of Christ. And those of you who were here last week would have heard Laura speak brilliantly about the importance of building a rhythm of life. And it's a bit like a trellis, if you like, something you put in your garden for plants to grow up. And, 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 and as we have these disciplines, it helps us stay closer to God. And I'd like this week for us to look at one of, I would say, one of the two most important spiritual disciplines without which almost, I think it would be almost impossible for us as Christians to grow and to thrive. So, so next week we're going to be looking at one about prayer, but this time, this week, we're going to look about this, how do we read the Bible for spiritual growth? So 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So at the beginning of this, I'd like to ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is you've absolutely smashed it, and 1 is completely pants, okay, where is your, how is your Bible reading at the moment? I'm not asking anyone to share. I don't want to say how many are one, how many are two, whatever. Just think about yourself. On a scale of one to ten, where is your Bible reading at the moment? Pause. Look around the room. People are looking a bit nervous. So I, I bet for quite a lot of people, it's probably closer to one than it is to ten. I'd like to ask another question this. When the last time you read the Bible, the last time you had your quiet time, or whatever you call your time alone with God... When was the last time you read a passage of scripture, carried on, and then completely forgot what you just read? Has anybody ever had that? I imagine we've all had that experience at one time or another. So if that's you, or even if you're doing well with your Bible reading, what I would love to do tonight is to share some thoughts about how we can both connect both our head and our hearts to the text that we are reading, and uh, with the objective of also better connecting our head and our hearts to God. Because really, there are two main ways that we can read the Bible. We can, there we are, we can read them either exegetically or devotionally. Don't worry about the long, the long words, I'll explain those in a minute. An exegetical reading of Bible, is reading of Scripture, has its goal to really get to understand what the text really, really says. And the reason we do that is for the purpose of, you know, looking at our theological, doctrinal, or teaching conclusions for it. It really is we do a deep dive into what it is. But the other way we can read it is we read it devotionally, which is a search to encounter God through the Scripture which is a personal reading that is intimately tied with ourselves, our prayer, and our wider lives. And this way of reading is where we approach the text, we approach the Bible from our own immediate world, our experience, our concerns. It might be because we're reading it because we really want to draw closer to God, or it might be because we're going to go through a difficult time and we're trying to find some comfort or trying to find out what God is saying about it. 
So I'm going to focus a bit later and really spend the most of the time looking at how we, re- how we better read the Bible devotionally. But actually, we need to do both. We need to make sure that we're faithful to what it says as well. So I just want to do a short comment on reading the Bible exegetically. So, do you struggle sometimes with understanding what the Bible has to say? Answer that to yourself. Again, I think probably most people do. And um, there are many reasons for this, but one, is, one of the reasons is, I think, that people don't fully understand, actually, what the Bible really, really is. And therefore, how do we approach it? And I would say that um, the starting point is to understand, to understand the Bible is to really get what it really, really is. And the first thing is we need to understand is the genre of what we read. So if you go to the Bible, um, what I would say is this, is that the Bible is not so much a book, it's actually a library. And if you can imagine when you go into the library, you go into the LRC or whatever, like wherever you go to do your studying, and you look around the shelves, what you see is, you know, is subject, you see poetry, you see philosophy, history, biography, you see reference, you see commentary, and so on and so on. And so, in the same way, the Bible itself is a compilation of God's interaction with human beings over many, many centuries. And in the same way that you go into a, bar, into a library and you see all these different genres, the Bible itself contains loads and loads of, of different ones as well. If you go to the Psalms, you find poetic hymns. If you go and you look at Numbers and Deuteronomy, you find basically a legal framework If you go into Kings and Acts and books like that, you find history. If you go into the Gospels, you find really is a type of biography. And if you find, obviously, in Paul's writing, you find letters. And if you go to to the book of Daniel, if you go to uh, Revelation or Ezekiel, places like that, you find a great thing called apocalyptic imagery. So sometimes one of the reasons why we struggle when we come to the Bible is we we don't fully understand what genre it is we're reading. Because somebody said this, you don't read Shakespeare the same way you read a recipe book. And often that's why, particularly when you come to the Old Testament, we look at this and we go, oh my giddy aunt, I haven't got a clue. What's this guy on about? About, you know, sort of millions of locusts dressed in green sort of you know, jumping on a frog or something like this. You think, what on earth does that mean? Well, because it's the genre of the day and we are so far from it, we, we lose, some of its, um, lose some of its meaning. The New Testament is closer to what we understand, which is why most, pe- most Christians concentrate on the, uh, on the New Testament. But it's really important, first of all, we, read, we understand the genre of what we're saying. The next thing we need to do is to understand the context that it was written in. And context is really, really important. There was a story about the Bishop of Blackburn, and he went on a, he went on a trip to New York, and uh, as he was going through the airport on the way out, some reporters saw him, and they shouted out, Hey, Bishop, are you going to visit any nightclubs when you're in New York? And he said, Well, are there any nightclubs in New York? And he walked on. The newspaper next day, the headlines, Bishop's first words, Are there any nightclubs in New York? So, it was accurate, but out of context. And, you know, it does come a shock to some people to find out that the Bible wasn't originally written for the benefit of a 21st century Western audience. It wasn't. The early part of the Old Testament was written for a group in the late Iron Age. The New Testament was primarily written for Jewish and Greco-Roman converts within the culture of the Roman Empire. 
and its background of many gods and philosophical thought in a culture based on honor and shame under the occupation and control of a brutal military regime. So often to fully understand what the writers were saying, we need to be mindful of the context it was written in. Then finally, we've done so, genre and context, finally we look at the language. Of course the Bible wasn't written in English. Although there is the story of the lady who was brought up using the old King James Version with the these and thous. And when faced with a modern translation, she loudly declared, I'm not reading that. If the King James Version was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. But we all know the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, in Koine Greek for the New Testament. And because of that, we need to understand the linguistics, understand what they were trying to say and the words they used, and do the detective work to actually make sure that we understand it. So if you're really, really, really interested in deep diving into the Bible, I'd recommend there's a book here called by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. I think it only costs about seven or eight pounds. It's really, really good. But if you really want to do that, and you haven't got time to do a theology degree, which uh, I can quite understand, then I would say this is a really, really good place to start. Be a great help for learning to read the Bible exegetically. But most people don't read the Bible to really get to, to the bottom of what an esoteric Greek word means. The main reason most people read the Bible is what we call, we read it devotionally. And so what I'd really like us to, as we, in the second half of this talk to focus on tonight is how we can best read the Bible for ourselves. So yes, we're mindful of correct understanding, but what we want to do as we pick up the word, as we come to him in our quiet times, in our devotional times, is we want to encounter God, don't we? We want, to, we want to be transformed. We want to grow. We want to find that wisdom for our personal context, to find help when things aren't going well. So tonight, I just would like to suggest to you one general way that we can do that, and then one specific way that we can help with our devotional reading. So the first general way is this, is we do this. We plan, we pray, we develop, we connect, and we th say thank. It should be think. Oh, no, we thank. We do thank, actually. We should, th we should think, but we can thank as well. So when we plan, the thing I'd say is the first thing to do is to, get a, is to use a reading plan. D do it deliberately. Do it intentionally. What, I mean, I remember you know, many, many years ago, I had a friend, he just used to open the Bible and see what it said and say, aha, that's the Lord's word for me today. You know, and, uh, and I think that's a bit, bit dodgy, actually, sometimes, because sometimes you can say, you know, I don't know, you know, it said, uh, you know, said um, when, when, when Judas heard this, it killed, he killed himself, open it again, he said, go and do likewise, you know, etc. It's, it's not what we do. Be intentional about the way we approach the Bible. And there are many, many great methods of Bible study. There's like Lectio 365, there is the lectionary, there's the Bible Society, there's navigators. There are loads and loads of different plans. They're all as good as each other. Some will suit you, what you better than suit me. Pick one that works for you. But really what I would say is pick one and do it. I go through the, um, the lectionary, which is the Church of England one, because I just find, because it ties in with what we do ministry here, it just takes me through the Bible. I think it's once every, you know, every, um, I think it takes us through the Bible, I think the full Bible, every three years, and then the Psalms many, multiple times. So pick one that works for you and commit to it. So we plan. Use that. 
The next thing to do is, before we begin, pray. It's about engaging with the text at the heart level. And we believe that you know, the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's really good for us to pray, to say, Lord, as I come to your word, as I come to read your Bible, as I come to this, show me, Lord, what you're trying to say to me today. There's a, a prayer somebody suggested, which is, thank you for the gift of your word. Open my eyes to see what you're saying. And I pray this time will produce much fruit in me as I come to meditate on your holy revelation. You, you put your own words in there. But the point is, it's really good to come to pray because we need God's help. If he inspired it, we would say that he can help us to understand it. And then go to whatever it is you're reading. And I would say, turn what you read into a prayer. Have a process to say, I'm going to come to this passage with the intention of praying it back to God. And I've used here a little acronym, pray, praise, repent, ask, yield. That comes from Pete Gregg's book, um, the simple, uh, How to Pray, Simple Guide for Normal People. But what it does this, if you come to that, you come to whatever passage, it's to say, okay, what have I got here that I can turn back into praise for God? You know, you say, the Lord is the creator of the heaven and earth. Lord, thank you that you've created this world. You've created it for me. Turn it into worship. Repent. Sometimes we need to confess things to God. We're doing things wrong. We all do. It's the human condition. So use this as an opportunity to say, Ah, oh Lord, I've read about this story. Maybe I need to learn how to forgive, or maybe I need to learn to trust you more. Lord, help me. I'm sorry when I don't. Then ask. Then what does it provoke you into asking? It might be to say, Lord, use me to bring justice to this world or whatever. And then a yield, which is, is there an area he's asking you to surrender your life to? Lord, I've been going down this path, but what I need to do is to sort of hook in and synchronize with your plan. Help me to do that. And if you go in intentionally looking to turn it into a prayer, then what we do is we engage not just our minds with what we're reading, but we engage our hearts with what we're reading as well. The next thing we do is to connect. Then take that and make that as a connection with, um, with whatever else is going on in your life. If you commit to do this, what God will do is from time to time, things will jump out to you which will become almost like milestones or pointers for the direction of what he's got for you. Just to share one that he did with me, I mean, when I was doing my curacy and uh, I was reading through the lectionary, the psalm was um, Psalm 71. And I read this, it said, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all who were to come. And I saw that, and the Lord just spoke to me about, you know, partly what he wants me to do, and part of the reason why we started 5 p.m., is just to try to help equip this next generation, you, you know, whatever, just to be the best that you can be in the Lord, to share some of the things we've seen God do over the years, and to encourage you that God can be trusted, he's faithful, and if you follow him, you will see some amazing things as he uses you to bring his kingdom. And I just, the Lord just spoke that to my heart, but I have to say that my first thing I said was, come on, Lord, less of the old and gray, huh? Anyway, what do we do? but make those connections to your own life. So we, um, we pray, we pray, we, sorry, we're intentional, we pray before we begin, 
we develop prayers, we make connections, and finally, we end with thanksgiving. At the end of it, find, figure out what you've read and thank the Lord for it. Don't be afraid also, though, to ask questions. If you've got open questions, note them down and say, I read this, I don't understand it. And either with friends or come and see one of us or go on to a, get a good commentary or whatever, go and have a look at I don't understand this, but explore it. But certainly end with thanksgiving because that's a good bookend for our time together. Like I say, the, the, the thing about this is, is to be intentional about connecting the text with our heads and our hearts. But there's also a, a specific area of scripture that I have found to be absolutely invaluable in helping to do that connection and helping to grow. And that is to look at the book of Psalms and to turn and to pray through the Psalms and to use them to help inform and to empower our prayers. They are a tremendous resource. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, the more, the, de the, the more deeply we grow in the Psalms, the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich our prayer will become. And Calvin, John Calvin said this, not without reason, it is my custom to call this book, Psalms, an anatomy of all the parts of the soul, since there is no emotion anyone will experience whose image is not reflected in this mirror. Because as I've read the Psalms, what I've seen is that they are about people relating to God in an open and an authentic way. They, the Psalms allow us to speak to God, but because they're scripture, they also allow God to speak to us as well. And if you read them, you know, if they, they go through almost every um, sort of experience in emotion we go through. From, if you look at Psalm 100, um, sort of verses 4 and 5, you know, if you're having a great day, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. That was clearly written by someone who's having a pretty good time. However, we don't always feel like that. So if we then go to Psalm 88, he says this, the psalmist says this, you've taken from me my closest friends. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? The darkness is my closest friend. Isn't it amazing that in the scriptures, in the Psalms, we find the whole span of emotion from the real brightest, the praising of everything, right down to, oh Lord, this really, really sucks, and everything in between. And one of the things I've found is sometimes, particularly when we're having a bad time, I don't know about you, but I sometimes find it hard to pray and put into words what I say. And I think the Psalms can sometimes provide us the words when we are the words to pray, when we are unable to express ourselves to God. And what I'm so encouraged as I read them through, that if you pray them, make them your own, what you find is there is no self-censorship. No, the Bible doesn't pull its punches. We are humans living our lives before God in a very troubled world. It's the same now as it was then. And I would commend them to you because they can really, really help us. And what I've given you on your handouts is, um, is um, because, you know, some of them like, you know, oh God, smash their hairy crowns might not be, you know, what we really want to do for our lecturer who's given us a tough assignment, even though he might feel like it. Um, you know, but um, there are a number of themes within there. So praise and devotion, confession, lament, petition, intercession, thanksgiving. 
They're on here. Just wh wherever you are, maybe you can try taking some of those and use them for your own. But also, there's another list of about 40-odd psalms of all of them, which I think are particularly useful for us in our devotional life. Again, they're on this. Do take this away, and I hope you'll find it useful. But I would say that um, if you're having you know, a tough time, if you're finding it hard to pray, dig out a psalm or two and pray it back to God because it can really help say, yeah, God, that's how I'm feeling. Help me, and it's great. So in conclusion, and band, if you'd like to uh, make your way back up, 2 Timothy 3.16 again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good word. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the point of the word of God is to point us to the true word of God, who is Jesus himself. It's a foreign book from an ancient land far, far away, so we need to understand it exegetically to be faithful to what the author meant to say. But at the same time, it is the lived experience of people just like you and me living their lives before God. So when we read it devotionally, what we are doing is we are hooking into their experience and we are turning it and bringing it into our own experience. So what I would say would be, if we commit to it as we plant and water the seeds of God's word within us, what we will see will be a harvest of righteousness. And I found a very nice, there we are, isn't that nice? A nice harvest picture of there. So a harvest of righteousness that will make the effort and the discipline more than worthwhile. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come. And Lord, for those who are struggling with reading the Bible, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, come and help. Lord, for those maybe who feel a bit like the psalmist in Psalm 88, Lord, I pray that they would feel and know your comfort. But Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would help us to dig into your word so that we can grow to be more like your son. In Jesus' name.